UCP leader Danielle Smith says the CBC and the NDP have, quote, repeatedly lied to Albertans for months, following a report from the Ethics Commissioner, which states that Smith and her office did not contact Crown prosecutors. NDP leader Rachel Notley's business tax hike would cost 33,700 jobs and $1.1 billion, according to economist Jack Mintz. A former CBC journalist claims the state broadcaster shut down stories critical of lockdowns and instead opted for, quote, pushing propaganda. Hello, Canada. It's Friday, May 19th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. UCP leader Danielle Smith has been absolved by the Ethics Commissioner of allegations that she and her office contacted Crown prosecutors regarding COVID-19 prosecutions. The Commissioner's finding comes three weeks into a provincial election campaign between the UCP and the NDP, with polls still showing a tight race. Smith said the report confirms that the CBC and the Alberta NDP have, quote, repeatedly lied to Albertans for months. She added, quote, both the CBC and the NDP should apologize and withdraw those false accusations immediately and publicly. The investigation was requested by the opposition Alberta NDP following a leaked phone call between Smith and controversial street pastor Arthur Pulowski discussing his criminal charges stemming from his involvement at the Coots border blockade in February 2022. Allegations that Smith contacted Crown prosecutors arose in January from a CBC News report which relied on anonymous sources saying the Premier's office emailed prosecutors to challenge their assessment on Coote's border blockade cases. At the time, Smith called the allegations baseless and called for a retraction and apology. CBC instead doubled down on its reporting with a second story, alleging that Smith inappropriately pressured Justice Department officials to intervene in pandemic-related charges. So Andrew, when we look at this story, there's really two things that we're looking at here. This story has been going on in the province for months and it's gotten quite complicated and I think not everyone is really aware of all the moving parts. So on the one part, we have the CBC story, which relied on anonymous sources to say that somebody in the premier's office emailed Crown prosecutors to challenge their assessment of blockade cases and COVID-19 charges. Now, the ethics commissioner report uncovered no such emails. So CBC is definitely in some hot water here. They really doubled down on their reporting of this and the premier at the time even called it defamatory. So she looks like she's been absolved of that entirely because as I mentioned, CBC simply relied on anonymous sources for this first story. And after the story was published, they actually had to update their story and say that CBC had not seen the emails in question. So it's not a great look for them. However, when this report was released yesterday, I noticed that almost nobody in mainstream media wanted to talk about the fact that the report did not uncover any of these emails and said there's no evidence that anybody in the premier's office contacted Crown prosecutors. Yeah, I mean, there was a, another part of the Ethics Commissioner's report that was not as favorable to Danielle Smith, in, in which the Ethics Commissioner found that uh, she had had an, an inappropriate conversation with her Justice Minister, Tyler Sandro. But I think there are two things that I would point out with that. Number one is that that offense, if you want to call it that, is a lot less severe than the initial accusation that sparked this investigation, which was that she was going to prosecutors and trying to meddle in their independent work. The other part of it is that you have 
have to acknowledge both. And uh, Danielle Smith in her statement said, yeah, I, I take this and I would actually appreciate some direction on how to best navigate this relationship moving forward. But the NDP has not focused on the exoneration. CBC has not focused on the exoneration. And you have people that just blatantly published something that was manufactured, that was fiction, that have not yet retracted it. Absolutely. And that second part of the story is the only thing that seemed to make it into headlines and to news articles yesterday. I even saw one CTV story which had a subheadline in their article saying emails did exist. And then below they said media outlets reported on the emails. Well, no, it was one media outlet who hasn't seen the emails in question and we're still waiting for proof that they did in fact exist. Even after a investigation by the nonpartisan civil service did not uncover the emails and now even after this investigation from the ethics commissioner didn't uncover the emails. So this did come up a little bit during the debate yesterday. Rachel Notley at one point actually turned to Danielle Smith and said, well, you broke the law. Now tell me, Andrew, is that an accurate description of when someone contravenes the ethics act to say you broke the law? Look, I think it's one of these things where it is perhaps technically true, but there's a lot of context required to that. And, and, you know, the ethics commissioner made this finding. There was no sanction or penalty put on it. And I think that even puts it in a different category than when Justin Trudeau uh, was violating conflict of interest and ethics laws, but at the end of it had a fine that he had to pay. So that sort of brings us to the interesting question here is whether or not this story will matter with just about 10 days now left in the provincial election campaign, this report dropping in the middle of it. I certainly didn't expect that to happen. We know for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that his complaints of contravening the Ethics Act haven't seemed to stuck. I think some people get really upset about them, but Canadians by and large, I don't think follow these types of cases super closely because as I was just explaining, they are really convoluted and it's not like these are criminal charges that we're facing. It usually requires quite a bit of explanation to say, this is what actually happened here. I could be wrong. I just don't know if this is going to really sit with Albertans, if this is going to impact their ballot. But what we do know is that a lot of Albertans reported to say that they were planning to watch the debate last night to decide how to cast their ballot. And I think everyone is pretty much in agreement, except for maybe CBC, that that was a Danielle Smith victory last night. She had a very strong performance. I've seen her speak publicly many times. I've seen her debate many times. This was by far the best appearance I've seen from her. She was so positive. She really landed her points and she just was able to cut through, deliver her message. Sometimes she gets so bogged down by all the different policies that her government is working on and wants to promote. I found that she cut away with some of that and focused on one or two big issues to point out. So it was a lot clearer for people to pick up and understand. And I think resoundingly, we've both seen people say, this was a Danielle Smith victory. I had some liberal liberal friends text me and say, oh yeah, that was a clear win for Danielle Smith. And I even heard from some people that were knocking on doors last night that every one in three house they went to was pretty much watching the debate. So this could mean something really good for Danielle Smith with the polls being as close as they are. Yeah, I mean, that's always the big challenge is that, you know, you may have a leader that does really well in a debate, but no one's watching it or the people that watch it are diehard partisans who aren't undecided. So I think she did very well. I I would preface that by saying I don't think it was a knockout blow where you can look and say Rachel Notley did horribly. I think she had some fumbles and stumbles, but ultimately, uh, you know, held her own for most of it. But, you know, as we were talking about in our live show last night, 11 days left, there, there is in some way a lot of room for something to change in this campaign. So we'll have to keep an eye out. 
But let's shift to some of the policy aspects of the campaign specifically here. Uh, Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley's proposal to hike corporate taxes would result in Alberta shedding 33,700 jobs, according to economist Jack Mintz with the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. The NDP released its costed economic platform on Tuesday, in which the party forecasts a $3.3 billion surplus over three years. This includes almost a 40% increase to the business tax rate from 8% to 11% to increase revenue. Now, in a column for the National Post, Jack Mintz explained that he estimated economic impact using a tax rate model he developed, and that estimate determined that the large three-point hike in Alberta's corporate income tax rate would result in an investment loss of $1.1 billion to Alberta. That is coming along with an employment loss of 33,700 jobs. This is a conservative estimate, Mintz said, because he doesn't include the impact of corporate tax hikes on available cash needed by businesses to pay their bills. This is just looking at the uh, effect it would have on investment. Notley has pushed back on criticism of her plan, saying Alberta would remain the province with the lowest business tax rate in the country, albeit narrowly. However, her proposed business tax hike would make Alberta a significantly more expensive place to do business than many U.S. states. I think that's actually the key point here, is that right now Alberta has a decent advantage over a lot of other jurisdictions in Canada. She's narrowing that advantage and also eliminating the advantage Alberta has over a lot of states in the U.S. Well, exactly. And when Canadian businesses decide it's no longer reasonable, it's no longer feasible for me to do business in my home country, they're not necessarily thinking, okay, maybe I can try to move to Alberta. They're thinking, maybe I can look at opening a business in the US where there's just a lot less red tape and hopefully going to be a much wider profit margin for me at the top. And so those businesses that had already tried to make things work in Alberta aren't going to pick up and leave for Ontario. They're going to look at the US and with there being that much discrepancy between the taxes here and the taxes there, it would seem like an obvious win for them to pick up and move south. I would also point out here that for a lot of people in Alberta, they were seeing Rachel Notley and Danielle Smith last night talk about how much they agree on film and television tax credits, these credits that have allowed for there to be more film and TV production in Alberta. Um, but again, a lot of these things are great and they're nice and you get to see Alberta in the movies or in a Netflix show, but the real investment you need is coming in through companies that are going to look at tax rates that are not getting these specific boutiques tax credits. And I'm sorry, but if you raise the corporate tax rate by 40%, that is the difference between an American company saying, you know what, maybe Alberta looks like a decent place and okay, maybe we just stick with the US. Absolutely. And we spent a lot of time discussing this on our live show yesterday. It's certainly been one of the themes of the overall election campaign is that Rachel Notley has largely been running as a moderate. I think the party has been a little bit caught off guard at how conservative Rachel Notley is appearing. I mean, she even wore a conservative blue blazer to yesterday's debate. And I'm telling you, that meant something. I can't get over the fact that she did that. I think she's really trying to appear as a very reasonable, stable, middle ground leader and appeal to those voters who aren't sold on Danielle Smith. And this is the one policy that we've really seen from the NDP where they're kind of showing their true and their old colors. This is what people think of when they think of the former Rachel Notley government. These types of policies, which chased away investment and, and jobs from the province. The National Citizens Inquiry heard a shocking testimony from a former CBC journalist on Thursday 
that the state broadcaster prevented reporters from covering stories that went against the prevailing COVID-19 narrative and instead opted for, quote, pushing propaganda. Former CBC Manitoba reporter Marion Kloak testified that the public broadcaster barred any fair coverage of the harms of lockdowns or vaccines. According to Kloak, her editors shut down stories highlighting the widespread protest against mandates and adverse reactions to the vaccines reported by donors. Specifically, Kloak said that editors had gutted one of her stories about a woman who suffered from a vaccine injury to the point that it was, quote, sanitized. We betrayed the public. We broke their trust. And we had been riding on a reputation of excellence for years. And now we were quickly shutting down one side of the debate. And how were we doing that? We branded the doctors and the experts the CBC chose that we used in our stories. We, we branded them as competent and trustworthy. And those who questioned and challenged the narrative were portrayed as dangerous and spreading disinformation. And that was regardless of what their specialty was, what their background was, and what their experience was. And I just also want to sort of give you a window into how this affected me personally. Um, as a veteran journalist, I, I had solid contacts in the community. I had people calling me with stories. So I was seeing and I was hearing and I was absorbing all their stories of suffering and pain, and they were sharing them with me. And these stories weren't being told. So I had witnessed uh, in a very short time a collapse of journalism, news gathering, investigative reporting. And the way I saw it is that we were, in fact, pushing propaganda. In response, CBC's head of public affairs, Chuck Thompson, insisted the broadcaster did, in fact, cover those stories. So, Andrew, I suspect that this was probably a fairly shocking revelation for a lot of people when this came out. Of course, this was a CBC journalist, and people really pay attention to stories of former CBC reporters leaving the state broadcaster and then saying, this is how I was treated. This is what editorial discussion sounded like behind closed doors. The censorship that all of you think is happening and talk about is happening is absolutely happening, and I can prove it. And this to me is not shocking because I also worked in the mainstream media up in Ottawa at the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, and I faced very similar censorship. It was extremely frustrating, and that was actually what caused me to leave and to join independent media. I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. It was too difficult to deal with and really weighed on my conscience, to be fully honest with you. Do you think that these types of stories coming out now is this helping Canadians? Is this maybe confirming to them that their fears about censorship exist? And do you think there's actually any likelihood that CBC will eventually change its ways? I think to the second one, no. I really think that CBC has a corporate culture that is likely to stay where it is unless the overarching culture changes so much that CBC gets dragged along with it. But I don't see that as happening necessarily. Uh, to your first point, though, listen, I think a lot of Canadians have always suspected that this is happening in mainstream media outlets and have not been able to prove it or they think something's amiss and you can't really place it. I mean, we talked earlier in the show about uh, CBC reporting something that was just blatantly false, which is the uh, existence of an email that it doesn't sound like existed. But a lot of the times, uh, biased coverage or potentially misleading news is not as clear cut. It's about what's not covered as much as it is or more than it is about what is covered. So I think when you have reporters that are coming out and saying, hang on, you know, th there was this story, this story, this story, and this outlet just wouldn't let it proceed. Uh, this stuff is relevant. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. 
And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.